Get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tip Sheet. I'm your host, uh, Forty Twenty, also known as John, and uh, we're giving you another instant reaction podcast as the uh, Eels take on or take down the Broncos in the top end up in Darwin. And to do that, as always, is my uh, good mate Sixties. Good to have you on board, mate. Oh, mate, how good was it? Yeah. Um, Oops, sorry, good to mate. be here. It's good to get out one of these uh, instant reaction. Podcast, yeah, so. these the reactions are always fun, and especially when the uh, Eels put on a show in some of the most testing conditions they're going to get all year. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, look, it's it was one of those games where uh, if you were, as the Broncos were, behind the eight ball, uh, it was going to be hard to come back points-wise. Yeah. It was just the conditions were just far too much. And you could even see when you have someone like Gutho who was gasping for air at different <laughs> times, You and, and he is as fit as you can get, you know the conditions are absolutely, um, well, I, I was going to say abhorrent, um, but just extreme testing conditions. That's all you can say. Yeah, well, at one point, I think they said that the thermometer reported 29, but the actual field conditions were 34.5 degrees at 70% humidity. So, you know, you talk about testing, and that's as hard as it's going to get. But let's get into the match, mate. I'll get this instant reaction underway. The Parramatta Eels, 46, defeating the Brisbane Broncos, 6. Up at TAO Stadium in Darwin, uh, takes the Eels from uh, to 6 from 7 uh, during their stint up in the Northern Territory as our um, prime or major partners between the, the club and the government there. Uh, for the Eels, it was a Micah Siva hat-trick alongside Isaiah Papali'i continuing his scoring streak with Oregon Kafusi, Tom Opachik, Bryce Cartwright and the captain Quinton Gufferson putting the icing on with a, uh, a highlight reel try there with Mitchell Moses' efforts. Uh, Mitch was 6 from 8 off the boot and added a penalty goal for the Broncos. Tevita Pango Jr. barged over early in the piece and Asako converted that one try. A uh, couple of the team stats now. Uh, Parramatta, as you would expect, with the 40-point uh, margin, dominated possession 59% to 41%. Uh, 10 minutes of extra time of possession between the two teams, 31 minutes for Parramatta and 21 and a half for the Broncos. The Eels completed far more effectively at 80%, 35 of 44 versus Brisbane's 68%, 25 of 37. And uh, given that uh, possession uh, discrepancy, the uh, Eels, sorry, a lot of R's in there, the Eels equally dominated all the attacking stats, uh, attacking stats 189 runs to 142, 1937 metres to 1249, uh, they're over 100 contact meters ahead, 11 line breaks to three, 50 tackle breaks to 24, average set distance of plus 11 over the Broncos, slightly faster play the balls, more offloads. Everything went Parramatta's way. Uh, they they diffused kicks better, they tackled better. They were slightly more disappointed. Yeah, less errors, equal amount of penalties conceded, and uh, slightly less ruck infringements. So... On a team, on a team sense, they dominated. On an individual sense, they also dominated, and we're going to get into that shortly. But what were your main takeaways on that macro level, Greg? Uh, well, first of all, my main takeaway was I nailed the punting tip once again, mate. So as long as you're not putting your money on it, it is almost like guaranteed gold. 
did you did you see what my tip was for this week? No, I actually I, criminally I missed the preview because I was doing a lot of work today, so I didn't have a chance to jump in and see it. So I'm searching far and wide. I've gone for the Eels to score the their first try within the first ten minutes. Odds of two dollars twenty for that. So rather than just going for the usual wins or winning margins or what have you, I thought I'll I'll mix it up a bit. And, mate, I think that's five out of seven rounds that's delivered with the punting tip. Anyone that's following it would be absolutely cleaning up at the moment. Um, unfortunately, as as I said, I don't put money on my own tips because I want to have the punters out there having the best possible chance of not competing with the mock that I put on myself when I put my own money on the bet. So um, there you go. So there's a, there's a take. There's a little pat on the back for myself that I've decided to start off with. I've already dropped my um, uh, celebratory expletive on Twitter. <laughs> That's uh, the, the the simple F yeah that goes after a game. That's all I need to say on Twitter. Um, I'll get to the Instagram a little bit later. But look, on a macro level, I think that that was a game which... Look, I was a little bit concerned midway through the first half. Brisbane Brisbane didn't go away at the start. Parramatta got off to a fast start, an error from, uh, was it Corey Oates? Oh, not Corey Oates, Xavier Coates, sorry, uh, from the kickoff. Uh, led to a line dropout, which saw Mike Acevo score the opening points down the left. And, you know, Brisbane could have easily just rolled over there, but instead they dug their heels in, and Payne Haas in particular uh, spearheaded a bit of a counterpunch. And we, we had problems containing them through the middle up to an extent, and then we just pulled away. Yeah, look, I where I was concerned was I thought that there was – it looked to me like we hadn't found a groove in that in that first 20 minutes. And it was – I thought the passes were a bit pushed. I thought there were, there were players out there that weren't quite themselves in that first 20 minutes. And then what I thought happened was from the moment that the interchange was first used – it seemed to bring focus. I thought Oregon Confuci had Monster a great game. game. Monster game Will off the bench, Smith. yeah. Will, Will Smith had a great game off the bench. And then Bryce Cartwright, I, I said all through the preseason that he is going to bring it. He had a, an incredible preseason up until the point where he broke his jaw. He was going to start in round one. There's There's been – the critics were there after that game against St. George. But let's be upfront about that game. When by the time he got on, the Eels had butchered that that game. It was they were behind. Yeah, the, the opening twenty minutes, we, we really set ourselves back. And you know, Bryce comes on, doesn't have a great game, but it was more indicative of the rest of the team's issues. You know? Yeah, and his his running meters were good in that game. There was a couple of push passes where he fell into the trap of. Uh, of perhaps the rest of the team. But I tell you what, he he gave an indication in that time on the field with his carries that he is going to offer a point of difference with the Eels with not just the way that he runs the football on that edge, but of course he has got, we know that he's got those ball skills. And I tell you what, tonight he certainly He put on the show, it. yeah. Set up the uh, the try to Tom Opachik. With a really great around the door, around the corner offload to Clinton Gufferson, and uh, also had a bit of Harlem Globetrotters going on, which we didn't end up scoring because the, the Broncos scrambled well enough. But he was throwing fake dummies and cutting through the line, uh, and then ended up scoring his own try off a, a really great crash ball, a courage line, 
Uh, you know, Reed yeah. Marnie put him, you know, put him there to score, but you had a lot of work to do. Got to secure the ball in the face of the the teeth of the defense, and he did it. And he added, you know, twelve runs, one hundred twenty nine meters to his name, alongside the uh, line break assist and a try assist, as well as two line breaks. And most importantly, in really testing conditions, ninety five percent tackling efficiency, nineteen tackles, zero missed, one ineffective. You know, and that's all all in in fifty four minutes off the bench. Sorry, uh, a long stint. And, you know, ostensibly the starter, even though he didn't start, he played the, the majority of the minutes on the edge. And it, it leads us to a, a crazy scenario now where, you know, obviously Bryce has to back this up and be consistent. But we now go from, you know, sort of scrambling to fill Ryan Madison's place in the team. And Maddo's going to come back pending his health next week after a hit out in reserve grade tomorrow. But you've got Madison, Cartwright, Papali'i, Lane doing all right as well. And... Murata near Kore, who will who need to figure out somehow into the rotation. So, wow, that is a, a lot of quality to jam into a, a limited amount of positions. And I would challenge anyone to say that we haven't benefited from having Will Smith on the bench. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't always had big minutes, but he's found a way to impact pretty much every game, even in short bursts. And tonight he got the play, the small ball lock roll, and he did a very good job. Came on, uh, ball played, got another interception. He's been a bit of a Ryan Girdler in that regard. Just uh, cheeky around the ruck, uh, getting in between the offloader and the offloadee, or the recipient rather, and you know, and getting the turnover. Yeah, so if uh, just back to your earlier question about looking at it on a macro level, I'd say this was a game where for Parramatta, the, the, the bench, the interchange brought... A, a crucial uh, amount of energy in yeah. a game where it was energy sapping. Yeah. We already mentioned Oregon, 15 runs, 158 metres, plenty of post-contact metres amidst that. Uh, he got a couple of really big offloads away as well, scored a try, got through 13 tackles. Uh, sorry, uh, got through, yeah, 13 tackles. So his his defensive workload wasn't too heavy this week, but the, the impetus he gave to us in attack, geez. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was one of the best games that I've seen from Oregon Kafusi, and you can see that his confidence level is probably at an all-time high, not just from the way that he's carrying the ball, but he does look for an offload. Yeah, and he set up the Papali'i try, am I, am I right in saying that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. with a nice little offload to Reed, who played it at the line to uh, ice crashing down. So, and, you know, you look at the rest of the badge, Wirimu Greg comes on, eight runs, 86 metres across two stints, uh, you know, obviously the Broncos were sort of fatigued by that point, but that is exactly what we want to see from him. He was just teeing off, uh, looked real good, was looking for offloads, but the defense had him uh, wrapped up. So, you know, not an issue there, but uh, another quality stint from him. And he's in a position where he's probably going to lose his spot in the bench, but I would not be upset. I wouldn't have been upset if Greg just stayed in first grade at this point because he's doing exactly what we need of him. Well, maybe BA's in a position, and I'm not saying this is what he's going to do, but. If you were looking to give players a rest through the season and do a little bit of rotation, he's probably in a situation where he can do that. And um, given that state of origin is now back to mid-season, Junior Polo is almost a certainty. Reagan Campbell-Gillard's a, like a, a serious possibility. He's going to get more playing time and an expanded role in that uh, period for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, uh, but they they aren't playing any um, Pacific tests, are they, this year? 
I don't. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think so. Yeah, time. I'd I'd have to check that and to be a, a sort of point of order to come back to on another episode. But off the top of my head, I haven't seen any talk about the Pacific uh, tests that go on during that well, would be scheduled otherwise during that origin period. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, because I was I was thinking that um, you know the the workload would get there for a couple of players around the um, around that time, but um, yeah, it's. I think Origin is the main thing that they they'll look at, and we might lose two to three players. Yeah, Gufferson, around Origin Junior, time, that, Reg, maybe Nathan Brown, but the back row was such a heavily contested position. Yeah, yeah, I I, I would say that, um, and and look, Gutho might be a a, a chance. Yeah, to play either centre or utility. Yeah, yeah. Um, whether that's whether that's off the bench, whether I don't think they would keep him in a, a centre role. Look, he might miss out because of the fact that there's a lot of a lot of uh, plays to try and fit into limited oh, positions. Yeah, yeah. New I think they were talking a... about it. They were talking about it the other night in one of the review shows and just saying about the number of fullbacks and how literally I mean, in Origin they would be trying to fit in as many fullbacks as they could. The form winner of the competition position. is probably Brian Toto, who is eligible for New South Wales, and there's every chance he doesn't get picked. Because there are so many great fullbacks, you know, we we mentioned uh, Tedesco, Dubojevic, Pappenhausen, uh, Guffo, Jack, uh, Jack Whiten from another position, but also play centres in uh, New South Wales State of Origin. So they're, they're just not even looking at specialty centres and wingers. The fullbacks and five eights have such a monopoly on the spots that uh, there's going to be some great players missing out. And, you know, if you're going to be greedy for Parramatta, Gufferson not uh, being absent would be huge. But at the same time, he deserves a call-up if he gets it. Yeah, so I suppose our, our take out of that is just um, to be saying that the it's not just a matter of having depth, but it's having um, depth with the players and having them inform to the point where there are selection headaches about... Um, who, who misses out? Because even this last week, um, Keegan Hipgrave misses out, mm-hmm. and he he did everything that was asked of him the week before. Exactly, and he was going into the week into the matches with a hundred percent win record because the only the only game that he didn't play in was the uh, loss to St George. Correct. So players players in form are going to be missing out, and it it I suppose it comes down to VA uh, and the squad to make them st- still feel like they're a part of everything that's going on and that um, he's got faith and belief in them. So, um, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a healthy position to be in and maybe an unusual one for our club to be in. Um, there's been times in the past where we've looked at and we've said, oh, you know, we've got pretty good depth. This year, the depth in the forwards is something special. There, there are a plus first grade players, guys that could be serious contributors at any club that are not in our seventeen, and that is true depth. That is premiership caliber depth. So you love to see that. Uh, but tangentially, state of state of origin, uh, one player that won't be eligible for New South Wales or Queensland is Dylan Brown. But I thought he had a great game coming back from that one game suspension. Uh, was really decisive taking on the line, was tormenting the left edge of Brisbane at times with um, that decisiveness and that first step explosiveness, uh, sorry, first step explosiveness once he chose to run. Uh, and they, they barely contained him throughout the course of the game. Yeah, there was a lot of last-minute grabs on him as he as he poked his, his nose through a lot of gaps there tonight. 
Um, maybe what we were simply lacking was someone ready to run off him because, he, as I said, he poked his nose through that many times or made a half break that many times. We like Dylan when he's running. That's the, that's the best time for, for him because he continually asks questions, keeps bending the line. He's pound, got a lot of pound for pound, he's so hard to tackle. Absolutely, absolutely. He's, his, um, his strength, which is, I mean, that's also evident in his defence, his strength. But, um, look, I think Dylan was really um, a part of a, of, of a spine that was functioning quite well. I, had, I actually had Reed Marnie right at the top of my best on field until we got partway through that yeah, second and, and half it, and it felt like... We were forcing play to the right to try and make yeah. things happen. And, and he sort of, you know, there were some shots that he saw that weren't, weren't awful in terms of the vision. The Blake Ferguson pass on the try line, I don't mind the idea of it, but the execution was way off. And, you know, he, he got a little bit uh, trigger happy, uh, probably overcaught his halves a little bit. And, you know, given the context of the game, it, it's not exactly the worst position to be in and, and I wouldn't have been shocked if there was a directive from the coaches to try and uh, get the reps through that right edge to get him, you know, uh, into a better position long term. But yeah, it was a bit frustrating that the game almost went into a lull because we were forcing it to the right. Yeah, yeah, and so that's where it would have been interesting to know was was this a matter of uh, following instructions to hit the right edge a little bit more, or was was he um, being called to the right? Was he? seeing the play to the right was that his vision out there i thought as i said i thought that sort of maybe took him away from being the man of the match i thought he had a a very good game don't get me wrong i I thought he was still one of the best on field but that that took him a little bit away from the uh being the player of the match really i thought the spine was was quite well balanced tonight because because of dylan brown's heavy involvement and albeit that it was a lot of to do with carries, I thought that Moses again had a very composed game of football. Yeah, where he he didn't overplay his hand. He was threatening when he when he ran the ball. Um, I thought his pass selection was quite good. He was involved in in uh, some key plays, but again, yeah, it was one of those composed performances from him. Gutho was Gutho. We just expected. Yeah, three try assists. Uh, a great try that's going to be on highlight reels with the. Uh, it was references the Karate Kid, the Daniel San moment for Mitch Moses, as he yeah. kicked the head for himself, got the foot back in the field of play, and Crane kicked the ball ahead. <laughs> it was beautiful. Uh, oh, how was the how was the timing? Just the way that he to got plant that, to plant the, foot, the, yeah. the 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 pivot foot, the pillar yeah. foot, and uh, just before he struck the ball off the other foot with his uh, right foot, I believe it was. Uh, very, very talented play right there. And Gufferson, of course, was uh, 25 metres in the field when Moses made the break. And he's like, yep, that's just my job to be there. And he got his just rewards. Mate, I was so glad for the video ref tonight because um, both of those were both the um, that tried Gufferson and, and also Kifusi? the Oregon were yeah. called no tries on first look. And um, it's... And look, this follows up from the previous week with this, the uh, South and the Tigers game, where it was the the it was Luke Brooks was called the try, and you think to yourself, if there was no video replay, you had a completely different result, different yeah. ending to such a big game last week, and and it could end up being season defining, but not in the right way for the Tigers that result, and then tonight. As I said, two tries that were called no try, and yet when you saw it in replay, 
you saw how deliberate um, Moses was with planting that foot down in that try. It, it was a... almost like he was making an exclamation point the way that he <laughs> Yeah, and it was a sort of like cerebral, uh, in, a, in a flash of a moment play that Chris Nino was I'm capable of producing at his best. You know, the, the, yeah. the, the nuance and the nous to understand that your position in relation to the sideline out and in, you know, to reestablish yourself as an illegal player. Wow. Like the, and you don't, you, you can't train for those sort of things. That, that is just a player that gets it or doesn't get it. And Mitch Moses obviously uh, fully switched on these last couple of weeks and is in, in, you know, no mood to not get it. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's talk about the different parts of the field very quickly. So we've just talked about the spine there. Um, the, the left edge. What more can you say oh, about that? Poetry in so, motion. You know, obviously playing to the, the strength of Mike Acevo on the sideline. He could have had four tries if it wasn't for a marginal call against Gufferson, which he was very upset about. <laughs> he, um, yep. he was not happy about that forward pass call. Um, probably, it was probably backwards out the hand, but it did float forwards. And uh, it was a sort of call that I'm not up, uh, upset about. Not upset, sorry. Upset about. Yeah, now on when I was watching it, when I when I watched it live, I thought, oh, I think that's gone forward. Then when they showed the replay, possibly backwards out yeah, of the hand, but it, it was but marginal definitely. marginal enough to be pulled up, and you know, yeah, obviously, I, Guffo thought it was a good pass, but they always do. <laughs> yeah, they're the they're the sorts of ones that, as, as a fan, um, and it makes it easier when your team's you know winning by a long way. Yeah, true. Um, so, but I I'd like to think, as I said. My first reaction was, yeah, that looks forward and on, on first look. So when it was disallowed, I didn't have any great qualms over it being disallowed when it happened. And then looking at re- at the replay, I not same as you, I thought, oh, it might have floated forward in the air. But um, when all was said and done, I, I I thought, you know, he's by the time he's caught it, man, he's he's about three metres ahead of where the pass was thrown. And I know all about physics and, you know, the, yeah. the way the ball's going to travel when you're running at a certain speed and you're throwing it. Um, even if you're throwing it backwards, it can float forwards, all that sort of stuff. But I'm always comfortable if the if the ball is caught three or four metres ahead of where the pass, uh, the pass was thrown, I can live with the forward pass call yeah. because it's... It's but, you know we we've and we've talked before as well about imagine if they ever brought in technology that would detect forward passes, people would be stunned at how many forward passes are thrown in a game of rugby league. Um, you, you have to live with a certain number of them, and I can live with a call on a pass like that. But speaking on that left edge once again, you know it started with Mitchell Moses who played a great game. But then you had the two back rowers that played down the left in Isaiah Papali'i and Sean Lane, both of who got their deserved raps already in this podcast, uh, outstanding on the night. And then Tom Opacic continues to do the job. You know, he had uh, some great touches, scored a nice try himself from backing up, uh, you know, being very handy. Uh, wasn't greedy uh, in the process of setting up Mike Acevo once. Could have tucked the ball and tried to score himself there. But uh, he's always looking to look after his big man on the outside. And then Micah, who had a, a bit of a brain lapse uh, early in the game, when he stuck his hand out randomly on that kick, which resulted in a new set for the Broncos. But beyond that, uh, you know, he, the big fellow was sucking him in in the tough the tough conditions, but 13 runs for 191 metres, five line breaks. Like, he was on a tear tonight. He was fending and swatting and tackle breaking uh, on the way to an equal high for the Eels' nine tackle bust alongside Blake Ferguson. Um, he had a hell of a game. 
He did. He did. And um, I just want to, first of all, before I get to talking about Sevo, just backtrack to Opachik. I'm going to put a question to the listeners out there. And I want them to consider this, uh, the, the period from when uh, Brad Arthur has taken over as coach of the Eels. Apart from Michael Jennings, how does Tom Opachik at this point in time rate as a centre recruit? Now, I'd probably say that um, Tackers is up there in terms of what he could produce in games. But I'm going to say that um, Opachik is easily in the best three centres that we've had for the last seven, eight years. I mean, in, in terms of value too, I know that the Fox Sports coverage sort of latched onto it that he was another, in, in a positive sense, he was another BA reclamation project. You know, he, he came to us off a, you know, another sort of injury-riddled season for the Cowboys, uh, couldn't see consistent first grade, and he's come here and he's been very good. You know, yeah. everything as advised, being a, a competent defensive centre that can facilitate, you know, the, the edge and attack. He's done exactly that, but he's also added a couple of uh, a few tries now. Actually, um, I have to I have to have a look at our, our leading try scores, but I know he's nabbed a few already this season. So he's been very good in that regard. And yeah, uh, you know, and you say in the top in the top centers that we've had in recent years, which is very true. But then the guy on the other edge, who's you know, Murata Niakore is all of a sudden a superstar in the NRL, and he continues to be so good in the centers as well. Uh, you know, just some of the reads and, and tackles he makes out wide are phenomenal. Um, it, it's instinctive, but it's also an understanding of the game too, and he blends those two aspects so well, and he, he just shoots onto the guy that's getting the ball and pummels him. Yeah, so just before I now talk about Nyokore, um, agree with you 100% about the sort of game that Sivo had, and I think a game like that actually will go a long way towards adding to his match fitness for the season because <laughs> yeah. it, asked, it asked lots of questions yeah. of him. And he we answered know that, We know that Sivo is he is not going to be a marathon runner. He is going to um, – just his, his build, um, he's a power athlete. He's best over those short distances. Give him, a, give him the ball 30 metres out from the line and he's going to be very hard to stop. Give him the ball 70 metres from the line. He's, he doesn't enjoy that so much. You know, he's not going to, he's not interested. But in he, ha, he has been aiming up in that regard. Yeah, he, he has. Well, what I, yeah, I should, I, 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 will, clar, I will clarify that. I, jump, I jumped the gun, sorry. Give him the ball, <laughs> give him, give him the ball 70 metres out. He's making the tough carries now. Yeah. He's not going to, he's not going to sprint 70 metres for a try. I, I just don't think that's in his makeup that he's got. I don't think he's got the pace no. over a distance that will that will take him that far. Um, and a little bit through the game, I think he's also condition wise, he's still not quite there. Although he is the fittest that he's ever been, but when it comes to his carries, this has been I think his best season in terms of doing the dirty yards yep. from our line. Those those tough meters that you want the wingers to do. So now flipping over to the other side. Um, and we're talking about the right edge. You've already brought up Murata Nyukore, and you've got that headache there because um, defensively, we look as strong as we've ever looked yeah. on that right edge. 
And we know the BA doesn't see Murata as the long-term solution to the right centre. That it's, um, I'm expecting that when Wanga Blake comes back, that he's going to select him there. I, yes, Murata is an excellent defensive centre as such, and he is doing those dirty carries superbly. He lo- he loves them. He he tears into oh. the defensive line. That that's his uh, bread and butter right there. Yeah, yeah, and he's and and he's probably relishing the fact that he's getting a number of his opposites one on one. Yeah, so he's swatting them away, um, like he like a an adult playing against kids. He's just swatting them away, um, and 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 also I need to compliment Blake Ferguson in that regard as well because his dirty carries are, are right up there, and you can see that from the meters that he made tonight. Yeah. Um, but I think Wanga Blake comes back and people are immediately going to go, uh-oh, what, what are we likely to be returning to, thinking back to last year? Well, for mine, I think one of the blokes that makes the big difference is having Dylan Brown True. out on that right-hand side. Yeah. And you only had to see tonight... Again, the smart defensive plays that he made, and the and and the tough tackles that he made, that um, stopped a number of opportunities that the Broncos looked like unleashing uh, or turning into tries. So, um, I think he's the big difference, Dylan Brown over on that right side. So, when you are talking about over on that edge, um, I think. Um, you'll end up with Wonga Blake back over there. And I think Murata just adds to the power off the bench. How he's going to fit everyone in on that bench, <laughs> I've got I've got uh, no idea because... Um, the, uh, the reserve grade team is going to be getting some serious strike power back uh, sort of post-round 10. Oh, oh I'm, I'm, just, I'm just thinking, you know, uh, Bryce Cartwright tonight... Um, Anybody who looked at that and didn't think to themselves, "Hello, we've got we've got something, we've got something that's going to create havoc for opposition teams tonight," and that's the the tape that he needs to be watching of himself. The line running that creates the opportunities that then lead to the second phase play, which blows games open. But you know, the twelve runs for one hundred twenty nine meters, and, and the the six tackle breaks, and and the line running. He was running so nicely off Mitchell Moses that and and Quinton Gufferson too. Uh, that is what made it happen tonight. Yeah, and don't and I'm sure people might think we're getting carried away with a team that's just hammered the the Broncos, who have had enough issues over the last couple of years to for people to not get carried away with a win over them. Uh, however, you what you have to look at is the way someone went about their business and and. And Bryce Cartwright wasn't looking for anything that was a shortcut yep. with what he was doing. Yes, sir. So you could see that he was obviously following the coach's instructions to the letter, that he was running hard and straight, that the offloads that he produced were controlled offloads, the right pass at the right time. What about those quick hands for that first try? Yeah, the, the, he, the ball pole there, yep. To get the crisp pass out to Mike Sevo. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I mean, you, you're not going to see better from a back rower out 
on that out on an edge like that, getting that getting that pass away. It, it was as soon as he did that, I thought, okay, you're switched on tonight. That's that's just a classic rugby league quick hands. There's nothing. You haven't tried to do anything fancy. That, just that, that's the one that you do. Perfectly. You do dozens and dozens of times at training under duress, so that when you get to the game in 30 degree conditions and 70 percent humidity, that you can execute. And Bryce did it perfectly. Yeah, that that yep. was uh, textbook stuff right there. You love to see that. One yep. one aspect of the team that I want to get back to is the uh, six points. Um, Brisbane had a couple of uh, aggressive barge overs later in the game when Eels had you know all rights to sort of pull up stumps and say, you know what. Take a try, you know, we, we, we're up 40 points. But uh, Pangai Jr., Danny Levi, and Pangai Jr. again, I think, uh, were turned away with some great uh, group tackles. Guys just like flooding in and diving in to stop the second attempt to roll over and, and break a tackle and score over the line. So shout out to the boys there because it was it could have been so easy to just say, yeah, it's, it's way too hot, way too humid. Just take the points. We'll, we'll get three minutes off the clock and move on. And instead, they, they got the second half shutout. Yeah, and... And that one try to the Broncos came on the back of something like um, twenty four or twenty six. Yeah, it was the it was the uh, Mike Acevo touch into two six again calls into a Reagan Campbell Gillard foot star six again. Uh, So (laughs) absolute flood of possession, and then the Broncos had it, and it was a legal play, but it was a very cheeky use of the marker uh, of the the play the ball. Sorry to get Pango Junior isoed up against Mitchell Moses, which is good game planning. But the Eels then learnt from that and didn't let Pangai Junior uh, get one ones on the goal line after. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's let's now then talk about the middle because we've we've covered the spine, we've covered the edges. What were your thoughts on the middle tonight, mate? This was a. Uh, I mentioned earlier that Payne Haas had a great start. He had a, a couple of big carries that um, you know sort of threatened to crack the Eels open, and and we had to absorb the pressure, but. It was a game that we didn't have to rely on huge contributions from Junior, Reg, and Nathan Brown. And I look at their numbers now. Junior, 11 runs, 106 metres. Uh, Reg, 11 runs, 124 metres. And Nathan Brown, a very quiet eight runs for 70 metres. Uh, they they just soaked it up early and and did their, you know, the jobs, but not their, their primary jobs where they often dominate. And instead, they just you know let the, the bench have the big counterpunch. And that's what we've been looking for is that the, the fully complementary role between the starters and the rotation which we know they've been capable of doing and they have done, but I think this was like the full embodiment of picking up the slack when your all-star front row doesn't run away with the game early on. So, you know, they did their job. Didn't have to overplay their hands because by the time they got back into the match, uh, the likes of uh, especially Oregon, but Oregon, Greg, uh, you know, Will Smith coming on at lock forward as well, took the momentum away from the the Broncos. So did their jobs, didn't have to overstep the mark this week and, and, and play, you know, uh, the hero role. And for that, it's really nice to see the team pick up the slack. Yeah, I thought that um, when the interchange came, that uh, as I said earlier before, I thought they actually brought the teams. I thought they it was almost like a correction of the match plan. So I don't know whether they they were sitting there on the sideline and thinking, well, you know, we're, we're the composure isn't quite there. We're pushing a few passes. Um, let's just Hit that ball up through the center. Get back to the get back to the game plan. Um, whether they knew that or not, whether that was a conscious thing or whether they were going out there with the instructions, I don't know. But I thought they carried it out to a T. We mm. talked about yeah, ba ba and his uh, coaching staff did a very good job rotating the bench today. Oh yeah, yeah. And where we've seen those players that are doing this, the shorter minutes, like 
Will Smith towards the end of the game last the other week. Um, Cartwright only getting five minutes at the end of the game. Here's the early injection of, of those players. And they, I thought, as I said, they were right up there in, in some of the best on field. So let's let's go to your nominations for best on field for tonight, mate. Oh my goodness! Uh, <laughs> wow. Ooh, this is gonna this is gonna suck because gonna, there's gonna be some guys that miss out and they really don't deserve to. And I'm, I'm always gonna house rule it now. I'm gonna try and avoid some of the big names here because guys like Quinton Gufferson and Mitchell Moses probably could get points in any game like this. Um, but I think I, I don't want to go past some of the other efforts today. So, whew. who do I get the three points to? Come on, I, I, I might as a token of him figuring it out. I might give the three points to Bryce Cartwright um, because that is the the game. I'm when when he signed Bryce Cartwright, and then you know you started telling me that he's having a great preseason. That is the game that I envisage of him. That is what I wanted to see the the hard running, the the subtle line running. The offloads that come on the back of that great, you know, north south game and a complete defensive effort because he busted his guts in tough in in the tough conditions and and never turned his back, never dropped off a tackle, and that's what I wanted. So I'll give Bryce the three points. I'll give Oggy the two um, because 160 meters off the bench in uh in pretty solid minutes in 30 uh, in 38 minutes. So big big minutes for him uh, was a terrific showing, and the one. Man, uh, Papa Lee again was sensational. Could go the I could give it the Guffer or Moses, but I'm I'm ruling them out by house rule here. Un- unfortunately, uh, I'll go to the hat trick hero, um, Mike Sevo, showing big ticker, scoring three tries. Um, he deserves at least one point. Yeah, I'm I'm so tempted to go with Cartwright for the three, and I'm going to go, in, but instead I'm going to be conservative. I'm going to go Mitch Moses with the That's three. Fair. That's fair. And I'm going to go Cartwright for the two. And I mean, then Dylan, Dylan Brown could poll. Yeah. Oh, mate. Tom no, Oppertuch could poll. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling because I'm thinking um, I have to throw something. Uh, uh, you have to throw some recognition to Clint Gutherson. I yeah. have to throw some recognition to Dylan Brown. I have to throw some recognition to Mike Acevo. Uh, I have to throw some recognition to Oregon Kafusi. Any of those players could get the one point. This needs the uh, old Reed, RLW out of 10 Barney, Reed Barney was right at, he was at the top of my list until uh, probably about a 15, 20 minute period in the second half. Mm-hmm. And that may have had little to do with him. But if I've got the ball going the wrong way and a few poorly executed passes and that's his role, I, I had to bring it back down a bit. So, he, But as I said, he was heading towards being my best on field all through the first half and in the early part of the second half. So um, he still figures for one point, but I think I will uh, probably give it to Dylan Brown. I like because, that. Yeah, I, I couldn't ignore the fact that uh, he brought some of his best football of this year and he just cleaned so much up in defense and um, in those conditions he was really asking lots of questions uh, uh, with his running game so and yeah I think uh, we might have touched on it in the review of the Canberra game when we we're talking about how Mitchell elevated his uh, playmaking responsibilities in the absence of Dylan 
and had such a great game and then how we could bring that game uh, in, in, in alignment with what Dylan can do. And I feel like tonight was a, a pretty solid realisation of that with Mitchell doing a lot of the uh, playmaking, a lot of the shot calling and the long kicking and whatnot, and Dylan just teeing off with the ball running, and but also chiming in with other stuff. And it felt like they weren't getting each other's way. They had a nice little flow going on, and, and it's a one of the – not like they've been bad together, but like that is close to the ideal for those two. Um, and I want to see that being built on moving forwards. Yeah, and I suppose we we can't ignore the impact of those conditions tonight. There were two teams that were playing under those conditions. Obviously, Parramatta had far better control of the football, got uh, to enforce their um, their dominance. The dominance that they ended up achieving just made the conditions tougher for the Broncos. But when you looked at the end of the game and there was a moment where I think the ball rolled over the dead ball line off a Broncos kick and Gutherson went back and got it and the look on his face, it was like he almost had nothing more than he could give. <laughs> and, yet, and yet he did because he scored a try after that. But how often you see Gutho looking completely gassed, yes, it sir. just doesn't happen. No. And that was a real indicator of what the conditions were like and um i'm now thinking gee that was early to go to darwin would it i mean would it make much difference going a little bit further into into our winter i know it's not really a winter up there they they talk about the wet and dry season that sort of thing but uh does it is it that hot there in the middle of the year i'm not enough of a meteorological expert or a climate expert mm. to know that, but, jeez, oh, they were doing it tough tonight, mate. Real tough. Yeah, it was, I mean, we, we mentioned the conditions before. It was uh, 30, 30 to 34 degrees on the field with 70% humidity. I was looking, so we played today on the April 23rd. The earliest we played before this, Parramatta, there's been a couple other games in Darwin, but in the last run of games we've had there, the earliest we played was June 9th. So you're talking at least a few weeks, uh, a few weeks, a month and a bit, sorry. Uh, so maybe maybe it could have added a little bit of difference, but I mean, Darwin is pretty hot and humid year in any, or year round, rather. But yeah, it would have been, it'd be interesting to know if anyone is familiar with the Darwin conditions, does that month and a half make a difference? Um, and now we've played as late as August 9th and, uh, and uh, August 8th at the early parts. So we played Canberra and Penrith in the first two years of this uh a very beneficial partnership between the Eels and, and the Northern Territory government. But yeah, so anyone that has any ideas, you can drop a comment if you want. Um, yeah, please. and I'll, I'll see if I can get some feedback from within the club about the conditions, whether that was the, the worst they had. conditions yeah. that they've had to play it sure It sure looked like it because the, the players were just, both teams were just dripping sweat after a couple of minutes out in the field. So I can't, off the top of my head, I can't recall that having seen Parramatta players as gassed as they were tonight, and, got, and obviously the Broncos players were as well, um, probably more so than the Eels given the uh, circumstance. But, um, yeah, so anyway, mate, um, uh, a, a great win. We now overtake the South Sydney yeah, Rabbitohs. Yeah, I, I was going to get to that. Yeah, that's right. We uh, leap them on four and against to second on the ladder. Uh, so both Eels and Rabbitohs having won six of their seven games with just a single loss. 
Eels plus 101, South Sydney plus 97. The Eels having uh, slightly less points scored, 197 to 201, but obviously the superior defense, 96 to 104. Both teams still chasing the Penrith Panthers who are undefeated and have a differential of 140. So there's still a bit of a, a, a gap the bridge there. Uh, but doing doing what they have to do at the, in the time being. And uh, going into a seven-day turnaround, or well, uh, technically eight, I suppose, but it's uh, when you get to the next day, they're playing on, on Saturday next week against the Dogs. So thankfully no short turnaround. I think they're flying back tonight, or at least Brad Arthur's flying back tonight. I think that was what he said in his press conference. So they'll get back, try and rehab, uh, maybe get out and support the boys tomorrow out at the uh, Ring Rose Park Clash. Well, would uh, knowing BA, he'd probably be. He's almost certainly going to get out. There. out looking yeah. to get out to the Harold Mats. Yeah, uh, uh, probably the Harold Mats too. But um, BA and and in other Darwin games, some of the players too have um have uh, redlined or red eyed the uh, trip back to support the boys in reserve grade before. So I wouldn't be shocked to see some familiar faces out there at Ring Race Park. And so, for anyone that's listening to this now, uh, depending what time that you are listening to this. We've got a big day ahead of us tomorrow on Saturday. Uh, we're talking about Saturday. Uh, Forty and I will be out at the uh, HE Laybutt Reserve out at uh, Blacktown to cover the Harold Matthews Grand Final qualifying match against the Penrith Panthers. We're then uh, jumping in the uh, respective cars and heading over to Ringrose Park at Wentworthville where in the Jersey flag and the New South Wales Cup, the Parramatta Reels, are taking on the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And that's from, I believe, 2.30. Is that right, mate? I believe the the flag kicks off 2.30. I'll just double-check that now. But I'm pretty confident it's a 2.30 kickoff of the flag. Press the buttons. Let me tell you, it's 4.30 for the knock-on New South Wales, or knock-on effect New South Wales Cup, and 2.30 for the flag. Yeah, so if you can't get out to those, obviously we'd encourage people to get out to those games and get behind the Eels with with this home game not being played at Parramatta and you want your fix of live footy, uh, there's your there's your options. You can get out to Blacktown, then hightail it over to Wentworthville for two grades of football at Wenty. Uh, if you can't get there, follow the live blog on uh, the Cumberland Throw. Nobody does it quite like 4020 when it comes to live blogging matches, so... Uh, the action and the uh, scores will be coming your way on the Cumberland throw. Stick with us. And uh, how did we go? How did we go time-wise for our um, our quick reaction pod uh, tonight? Just a casual forty-six minutes. So, oh uh, my goodness! What did I, what was my estimate? You, you said twenty-five to thirty, and I took the overs immediately. <laughs> so I had I had the line at around thirty minutes. Yeah. You've gone no. I'm I'm going overs on that line, yeah. mate. We can't. It's impossible for no, us. It, to get it, it, a forty-six to six victory, claiming second place on the ladder. You know, you got so many pieces starting to come together, like Bryce Cartwright, Oregon Kafusi, Wiramu, Greg. All these guys off the bench giving you such great contributions. You can't help but wax lyrical for forty plus minutes. Yeah. Okay. Fair call. Fair call. <laughs> so, so uh, thanks to everyone for a listen tonight. Um, we. We've enjoyed bringing out these uh, quick response, the instant reaction podcast to you. But if you haven't had a listen to our chat earlier this week with uh, Dean from the NRL Roast, uh, please get onto that. It's uh, it's a great uh, insight that he provides about the world of uh, rugby league social media, some of the great stories behind the funny photos, 
the players that always seem to be able to bring the humour and they know how to connect with fans. So lots that we were able to talk to him about. It was a bit of a learning experience for us, a bit of um, and a bit of fun to have a chat with him. So have a listen to that if you haven't had the chance. Uh, we've got two uh, days coming up for of this weekend with our with Parramatta getting the win on a Friday night. The weekend always seems that much brighter as an Eels fan, and of course you'll have the content coming your way on the Cumberland throw. Yeah, as always, thanks for stopping by, guys. And like uh, sixty said. I uh, give a listen to the the last episode of the tip sheet because for me personally that was one of the most enjoyable episodes that we've had talking social media talking content creation which is wholly applicable to us at TCT as well and you know both both our journeys in, in the roast and TCT to get where we were, where we are respectively but yeah uh, as, you know we love having you guys listen love having you guys comment on the site um, so yeah give us a like on SoundCloud give us a, a comment on on TCT and join the conversation um, plenty of football to discuss after this um, we've done obviously the instant reaction review but. The next week's uh, episode, they'll have the review from all the weekend action on Saturday between the elimination final or the grand final playing in Harold Matthews and then the doubleheader at Ring Rose Park uh, alongside any NRL news and previews for the following week. So, yeah, look forward to that. And, and as always, catch you on the other side. Yep. Good night, everyone.